Welcome. If you're new, thank you so much for being here at Pathway today. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, our goal for you is simply this. We want to help you know God because we believe when you know God, it changes everything in your life. And really, we would say it like this. It's in the connection card in your seat. We want to help you know God, which is a relationship with him that you personally grow with in that relationship daily. Then we want to help you find family because once you find family, you get connected to other healthy Christian relationships. They're going to help you grow. And then we want to help you make a difference because it's not just about you. Um, it's about making a difference in the world around us. And the single greatest way we make a difference in the world around us is by telling other people about Jesus and bringing them to him. And in fact, that whole thought of make a difference, it's really, I mean, we only do three things as a church and that's it. No God, find family, make a difference. We keep it really simple. And, um, and, and that's actually kind of our theme, our main focus over the next year or so. Um, we kind of focus on each of those during different seasons as a church. And uh, this past spring and early summer, just really since God putting that on our hearts that I mean, we really need to lean in to make a difference and serving our community and being a blessing to our community, bringing new people to Jesus. And so uh, as we've, we're doing that, we've adopted Parkland Elementary School here in Yukon, and uh, we've done a, a serve day there. We helped uh, work on their playground. We've brought them breakfast during a teacher in service, and we're going to do other things throughout the whole year. Uh, they had a teacher wish list that they had of different items that the teachers needed. Uh, so we just thought, man, it's, it's horrible that teachers have to buy supplies for their classroom out of their own pocket. Like, that's where we should step in as a church. And so you guys have done that and, uh, and, and met a lot of those needs. And uh, so we've just told them, hey, anything that you need throughout the year, please let us know. And they messaged uh, the other day, emailed and said, hey, you know, you guys have said if we need anything and we need something. I was like, okay. And they said, hey, on Friday, and so this coming Friday, I believe December 9th, if I have my dates right, but this Friday is the main thing. Uh, this Friday at 9.30 a.m., um, they need about five or six people, so not a ton, five or six people to go to Parkland Elementary School for about an hour, maybe two at the most. Um, they're getting some new, I think, chairs, and they need us to help take those chairs off the truck and put them in the classrooms, break down boxes, those kinds of things. So I'm going to be there. I know several other people already have. So, um, man, if, if at all you're able to be there, we would really encourage that just, again, to, to, be, to make a difference, to be a blessing to our community. And uh, that would be great this Friday at Parkland. We're really excited about that. And, again, we're also excited, as we've been talking about, because uh, we're kicking off a new series today called Light My City. And so, again, part of Make a Difference what we're going to do for the month of December as a church, we are going to pay um, the utility bill, the electric bill, for people that live in Yukon that during this December month are maybe unable to pay all of their bill or, or, or things like that. And so we just want to step in because we think, man, like the worst time of the year to have electricity turned off is Christmas. It's cold outside. It's Christmas. And so we just, as a church, we want to step in. Our vision is that we could do that year round, but uh, for our resources right now. So I just let you know, a big chunk of what you give during the month of December is going towards that. We already have some money set aside for it. We've been saving up for it. And so we just are excited. This is what you're doing. So you are making an impact. You're keeping the lights on in our community during December. And we're really excited about that. It's all going to build up to December 24th, Christmas Eve. We're going to do our first ever Christmas Eve service. We are really excited. It's going to be at the park. Yep, you can, you can clap. It's okay. Uh, we're excited. 
It's going to be at the park in Yukon at Chisholm Trail at the, in the middle of the lights. And so uh, this whole thing of light, light my city, it's applying on different levels. We're going to keep the lights on for people in Yukon. We're going to light our city. We're going to be in the middle of the lights on December 24th, Christmas Eve, lights in the park in Yukon. And so, man, we're going all in on light my city. That's the name of this series as well. So, yeah, we're excited. We're going to have a, a time of communion together. We're going to have special stuff for our students and for our kids. And so just really something for the whole family, sing some Christmas worship songs and just be a great time together. So, hey, you're like, well, it's going to be cold. Yeah, you can get a coat, okay? Uh, we'll buy you a coat like if you need one, okay? So it's going to be great. I promise you it's, we're going to make it really special. We're going to be right there in the middle of the lights, and it's going to be great. We're looking forward to that. And um, so talking about Light My City, what we're going to do every week for the next three weeks is we're going to be looking at different parts of, of the Bible about the light my city and what that means, what that looks like. And here at Pathway, the Bible is our foundation for everything that we do. And you hear during this season, you hear a lot of songs because Christmas is all about Jesus. I mean, it's fine Santa Claus and elves and the movies, and we're all into that. We think all oh, that's fun. You had, you had Christmas music playing when you came in today, so we're not against any of that. But the main reason of Christmas is Jesus. And a lot of those Christmas songs, you're going to hear they, that they, the lyrics talk about the light of the world, and that is Jesus. And so we're going to look at what does that mean? What does the Bible say about that? And we're going to explore that over the next couple of weeks. And today, what we wanted to do, as we always do when we start a new series, is really lay the groundwork, really lay the foundation of what are we going to look at over the next couple of weeks? What does this really mean? And uh, we're going to do that today. And, and if, if you want to check out in your Bible or on our Pathway app, it's completely free. You can download that in the App Store and then just uh, your Pathway Church. And then go under Sunday Notes, and you can follow along everything that will be on the screen. You'll have it as well. But the Bible has New and Old Testament. And in the New Testament of the Bible, the fourth book of the New Testament, it's called John. It's called John because John was the guy that wrote it. John was a hand-picked eyewitness follower of Jesus. In fact, just a quick FYI, you can impress friends and family later on. John was the oldest living disciple. He died well into his 90s. All the other disciples of Jesus, the other 11, Judas betrayed Jesus and, and took his own life that night. But the other 11 that were remained, 10 of them were all severely killed, murdered, executed, and martyred for believing in Jesus. It was death or confess Jesus, and they confessed Jesus. So they're all horrific, horrific deaths, every one of them except John. Now, John was still tortured immensely, uh, several times tortured and on the brink of death, but yet uh, they thought, well, we can't kill this guy. Let's just let him live a natural life, and he lived well into his 90s. But John was one of the three closest followers or friends that Jesus had. John's probably the youngest disciple during while Jesus was on the earth, probably the youngest guy in his maybe kind of mid-late teens. And um, so John and Jesus were very close, as was Peter. And so uh, John, the other three accounts, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus in the New Testament. They're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. John is the last one. And the other three accounts of the life of Jesus Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they start, they all start really with the Christmas story. And so they all talk about, you know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and a manger and there's shepherds and wise men and all that stuff. And we'll talk about that next week. But John takes a very different tone. 
when John starts off, he mentions nothing about shepherds or angels or wise men or Joseph and Mary or, or Bethlehem. He doesn't really do any of that. What John does is really unique because John says, you know, um, I'm going to zoom out a little bit. The other guys really focus on the specific details of the birth of Jesus, which is great. Those are important. But I want to zoom out and take a big picture view and really look at a cosmic view, a global view of why was this Jesus born? It's great to talk about the, the, the manger and all that, but why? Why was this Jesus born? What was his purpose? And why does it matter for us today? And he answers all of those. Why was Jesus born? What was his purpose? And why does it matter? He answers all three in the first chapter. And so it's really unique. He, he starts off in a very different tone than the rest of us, uh, than the rest of the gospel writers. But if you want to check out, it'll be on the screen as well. In John chapter 1, verse 4, we're kind of diving right in. He's talking about the word who he earlier, a couple sentences before we established, when he talks about the word, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus. And so he says, verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So you're like, that was kind of confusing, right? So we're going to break that down as we always try to do every week. And, and what's unique, it doesn't mention Joseph and Mary and angels. And we'll talk about that next week. It's important. But he says, look at the big picture. Why was Jesus born? What did he come to do? And why does it matter? And so he really kind of, again, as we always, when we read the Bible, we need to take a step back and say, what's really going on here? What's the big picture? And I would say like this, that Jesus' light brings life. I love what he says in verse 4, that the light brought life to everyone. The message of Jesus is for everyone. Religious people, non-religious people, people in America, people in other parts of the world, wealthy people, poor people. He brought the message of Jesus to everyone. In fact, it says it twice. The message of Jesus is for everyone. Now, notice this, as we always say, whenever the Bible repeats itself, you really need to lean in and pay attention to it. In these few sentences or verses that we read, the word light is mentioned over seven times. Seven times in a few sentences. John is trying to really get to the point, and he was there. He saw it all. He says, Jesus wasn't just a good religious teacher or public figure or leader. No, he was more than that. He was not just a light of many. He was not just a good philosopher of many. He was the light, singular, possessive, the one and only light. And his light, he says, brings life. To everyone. The, the, the point of Jesus' birth, the point of this light coming to earth is really unique because every other religion in the world, and we mean no disrespect to them, but every other major religion in the world says something along these lines. 
that, that God may or may not love you, but if you really want God's love, you have to work really, really hard, be a really, really good person, a good moral person, don't break any of the rules, go to, go to the, the religious services, pray the religious prayers, read the religious books, and if you're good enough, then maybe God will accept you. In fact, it, it's the concept that God is somewhere out here in the universe. But we are down here on planet Earth, and we are trying desperately to go to God. We're working so hard with all of our religious work to go to God. That's what other religions say. But we see very clearly in John chapter 1 that Jesus is different because the light of heaven comes down to light up a dark earth. That Jesus comes to us because we could never go to him. And he doesn't just come to us to tell us how messed up we are. He comes to bring us light, which is life. This is proving the point that God is not an impersonal being. God is not this cosmic figure that we can't really know. He's kind of mysterious like the Wizard of Oz with the man behind the curtain. No. This is proof that God became a person like us. He wants to connect with us. God has a name. He's not some figure. God has a name, and his name is Jesus. He came to be with us. I love what he's also saying here is, um, is really quite unique because he also mentions in, in, as he's bringing this that the life brought light. The light brought life to everyone and the word. And, 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 and if you're familiar at all with the Bible, if not, that's fine. But the first book of the Bible is called Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. So it's literally how the beginning of everything happened. The beginning of the world, the beginning of human beings, the beginning of how we've messed up. I mean, you don't even have to believe in God. Look around the world and be like, this is not probably the way it was meant to be. Things are messed up. Genesis has an answer for that. It's called sin. It's disobeying God. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then a few sentences later it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and light separated the darkness. Now, John is doing that on purpose. John is, is helping us understand that, hey, Jesus was there in the beginning of the world. Jesus was not a created being like you and I. Jesus, like before you and I were born, we didn't exist. That's not the case with Jesus. When God created the world, Jesus was there. Everything was created by Jesus, through Jesus. That's what he says in John 1. But he says, hey, remember the beginning of the world when God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it separated the darkness. That same light has come not just to nature to separate the darkness, but spiritually to separate the darkness in our life. And really think about when, when in the beginning of Genesis 1, when God says, let there be light, that, that light separated darkness. You don't have to believe in God to know that the sun pushes back the darkness of the day. And John says, so it is with Jesus. Jesus came. That's why he came. He came to push back and destroy the darkness of sin in my life and in your life and in our world and in our culture. Just like the natural light of the sun pushes darkness away, so the light of Jesus does the same. And similarly, we think about this, a law of nature that, that we have to have the sun on planet Earth to live. We have to. The sun helps the plants grow. And animals eat the plants, and we, depending on your preferred dietary issues, eat animals or plants or both. Whichever one, I don't really care. That's fine. But understand, without the sun doing what it was created to do, we could not have life on the earth. We have to have the sun to have life. It's a law of nature. 
You don't have to believe in God to know that that's a fact. But so it is John is trying to get us to understand, spiritually speaking, you have to have the light of the universe, the light spiritually of Jesus to have life. That's what is so amazing when, when people give their life to Jesus. They're like, man, it's like the light bulb went off. I can see clearer. The grass is greener. The sky is bluer. The air is fresher. And in reality, no, it's all the same. But spiritually to them, the light has been turned on, and they can see their purpose. They can see why they were created. They can see the love of God and feel his joy and his peace and forgiveness in their life. The light has been turned on. And John says, that's what Jesus came to do. To not just light my city, we'll talk about that, but to light me up. To light my, the darkness of sin to be gone in my life. To, to give without Jesus, I have no spiritual life whatsoever. And some of you would agree with that. You're like, yeah, I've tried other spiritual things out there. And it all is honestly, it works for a while, but it's a dead end. I'm telling you because they are not the light. Only Jesus is that can bring life. Listen, you might think about this. like, Isn't that kind of offensive, Brian? I mean, that's the whole problem that I have with Christianity. It's very offensive on multiple levels. But one of them, that Christianity makes this really exclusive claim. Like, I mean, you just read your religious book, the Bible says that Jesus is the light. Well, that's offensive because I think there could be multiple points of light. I think if I'm a good moral person, I don't break the law, I'm kind, I'm generous, that, that you know, I can kind of be my own light. Or what about other religions? Aren't their light just as valid? I mean, what makes Jesus being the light so exclusive? That's offensive. And, 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 and respectfully, I hear what you're saying. I do. I mean, I've thought about that. And I think it's a very valid question. We welcome questions at Pathway, by the way. This is a church where you can ask those kinds of questions. Nobody's going to make you feel bad. But could I just say this lovingly? As I respect your question, perhaps maybe respectfully hear what I think a response is. Why is that so offensive? That Jesus is the light and only the light. There's no other light but him. No one else, nothing else can give us life but Jesus. Why is that so offensive? Well, I think it goes back to what John said, that Jesus is the light. What does light do? It exposes hidden things in the dark. And could it be that Jesus, and just please, I'm Brian, I'm your friend, I love you. But could it be that, that you find maybe the message of Jesus offensive? Because he's exposing some hidden things in your heart and in your life that you don't want to be exposed and, and could it be that why does our culture find the message of, especially Christianity right now in America, like people are so, we just want to cancel Christianity, cancel everything. Like, it's funny because they talk about intolerance, but yet we're not intolerant. And so but why, why is Christianity so offensive to our culture? And not just American culture, around the globe. Why? Could it be that the message of Jesus is exposing the sin, the darkness of our culture? In fact, later on, John's going to say that very thing, and, and he's going to say that, that there are some people who would prefer darkness over the light. Could it be that there are some cultures, some nations, that as a whole, they would prefer to live in the darkness over the light? The light of Jesus exposes that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But could it be, just to answer, could it be that it's so offensive maybe to you, and I say this with all love and respect because I very much valid your question, but could it be that it's offensive because you know that there's some things hidden in your life that if you allow the light of God in, it will expose things that you don't want to be exposed. 
Could it be that our culture finds Jesus offensive? Because if we fully, and I'm not talking about getting a Christian in the White House. Good grief. No, we're not. In, like, no. I'm talking about as a nation, we turned to God. And all that. Could it be that we're afraid of that, that people are turning up the heat against Christianity in America because the message of Jesus is exposing the darkness in our culture? We think we're so sophisticated. We think we're so modern. We think we're so better than people were 50 years ago, 60 years ago. But could it be that we're actually getting darker and darker and away more from the light? So here's the interesting thing. I, I would say it kind of like this, that um, just as, as an example, let's say, let's say you have a good friend. And your good friend comes to you one day and they say, man, I am really struggling with money. I, I just, I really struggle financially. It's not that I don't make enough. I make just as much as you do. I make a good amount of money. But at the end of every month, I'm always in the hole. I just can't figure out why I'm losing money. And I have all this debt and I just can't get ahead financially. And it's stressing me out. And I have banks and creditors calling me. And, and I just, man, I'm really struggling with money. And you went to that friend and said, oh, really, hey, you know, um, I'm actually pretty good with money. And, again, we make the same amount, so it's not like I'm, I make more than you. But, but I'm actually, I have enough and more left over at the end of every month. And I'm pretty good with money, really budgets. And so I would love to meet with you sometime if you would like. And we'll talk about budgets and we'll talk about finances and how to get out of debt and how to live a, a financially balanced, healthy life. Would you like that? And your friend says, how dare you? Who do you think you are? I was just trying to tell you something in my life, and here you are trying to tell me how to run my life. That's not what I ask you for, and they tell you off, and I don't need your help. I don't want your help. You know what they're really doing? I would rather live in the darkness of my own mess than have you and your light come and help clean up the mess. Could it be that for some of us individually, that's really how we view God? Maybe we wouldn't do that on purpose, but deep down, that's what we're saying, that when the light of God comes and Jesus says, look, I know that you've got a mess in your life. I know that you've got some things that are broken. Not all of you is broken, but some big parts are broken, and that's what I'm here. You need to hear this today. Jesus does not come nowhere in the Bible to point out your sin. He comes to embrace you and help clean up the mess of sin in your life through his love and his grace. That's the message of Jesus. And some of us think, like, and that's why maybe as a culture we get offended because Jesus wants to come and say, hey, I'm not here to point it out. I'm here to help. I'm here to make you better. I'm here to, 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 to fulfill your purpose in life. And there are some of us that would say, no, I'm too comfortable in my mess. I'm too comfortable in my sin. I, I really, I don't want you to expose that. Could it be that cultures say the same thing? Because actually John, as again, would go on later in chapter 1 to say that very thing, that Jesus came to his very own people in his own nation, his own people, and they rejected him. And John says, because there are just some people that would prefer living in darkness over light. Is it sometimes a little painful to have the light expose some of the darkness in our life? Yes. But it means God loves you, and he wants to deal with that. Because you think that, oh, I'll just live in the darkness more, but it's getting worse and worse and spiraling more and more out of control. Give it to Jesus. So just think, and I say this with all love, but I just want you to ask yourself this question and think about it. Maybe this week, maybe today. I'm, I'm sure you probably know the answer, but would, would that be you? I mean, would you prefer living in darkness over light? 
And we, look, I've been there, okay? I've had darkness in my own life. I am not perfect. But, but could it be that what we do in the darkness, we make excuses? I'll deal with it in January 2023. I'll deal with it then. I'll deal with my mess. I'll deal with it when I get a new relationship, when I move, when I get a new job. But yet, it's still there, and it's growing and getting worse and worse. Do you prefer darkness or light? Listen, that's why Jesus came. That's his purpose. His light brings life. I think this is why it matters, because his light is life to live by. Light to live by. Look at, again, verse 5. He says this, that the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. I love that. You could give a whole message just on that. Jesus' light shines in the darkness, but darkness can never defeat it. Governments can't defeat it. Uh, Cultures can't defeat it. You can't cancel it. People have tried. Countries have tried. There are countries on planet Earth today that are trying to extinguish the light of Jesus, and they are failing miserably. Why? Because his light is greater than any darkness on this earth, greater than any depression, greater than any health issue. His light shines in the darkness. That encourages us. I love that. I I love that that, that it can never be extinguished. In other words, the flip side is true. Every other light will be extinguished. Every other light. I mean, what's the light that you're living for? Because to be honest, at some point, it'll be extinguished. What's the light? I love it as well. This is so cool. That Then darkness will never extinguish it. In other words, and, and I love movies and shows, and I think we all do, and you know, every, every movie has the same plot. I mean, honestly, every show, whether it's a kid's show, adult, doesn't matter. But it's, there's, there's bad people and good people, and we want the good people to win. There's always this cosmic battle. Star Wars was on this weekend, and my son's kind of into that, so we watched it for a little bit. And, uh, and, and I'm just thinking about the plot of every movie. It's basically not just Star Wars. You could go to The Godfather. You could go to any movie you want. I mean, those are two different genres of movies, but, but the plot is the same. There's evil and there's good. We want the good to win. The really cool thing about John chapter 1, verse 5, it's over. It's done. There is no cosmic battle. It is not like God and Satan are still fighting it out and we hope God wins. And and man, there's a struggle. No, Jesus has won. Live in his victory. Don't live a defeated life. That's not what God wants for you. I'm just hoping I make it. It's a struggle. I'm just trying my best. No, I live in victory every single day because my God is victorious and his light shines in me. I have victory because of Jesus. I mean, you know, it's, 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 for me, sometimes as a pastor, people, you know, they find out you're a pastor, people do weird things. But sometimes they're, well, how do you think the world's going to end? I'm like, I don't say this because I'm a nice person, but I think deep down, I, I kind of have some thoughts for what the Bible says, but to be honest, I don't really care. I really don't because Jesus has won and I'm going to be with him and things are good. And so I know that I'm okay. He's won. But listen, I am here, even though I'm good, it's not done for me because I want to make a difference in your life. And, and I'm not really concerned how the world ends. I'm concerned how is your world going to end? And are you ready for the end of your world? Are you ready to meet Jesus? How is your relationship with him? That's the point. That's our heart. He's light to live by. There's a, I think even non-Christians would most likely agree with this, that one of the greatest, probably the top three, top five greatest literary minds 
of the 20th century was a man named C.S. Lewis. He wrote a lot of great books, I mean, phenomenal books that are just really, really great. Chronicles of Narnia, really good stuff. And, um, and he has this quote, and it's one of my favorite quotes. I use it a lot. I love this quote. C.S. Lewis was an atheist, didn't believe in God, didn't want to believe in God, thought it was a foolish thing, religion was a joke, the message of Jesus was, was crazy. And, I, and finally he gives his life to Jesus and the light comes on, he's changed. And this is his quote, listen to this. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. One more time. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. In other words, that's true for me. I believe in Jesus, not just because I see him and I don't physically see him, but I feel his presence. When we were worshiping a while ago, I felt his presence in this place. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I mean, you, and those of you that have done that, you know it's inexpressible. I mean, it just, you can't, there's nothing on earth that compares to it. There's a radical change in your life. But, but in addition to that, it's through Jesus I see everything else. Just like when we're done and we walk outside, the sun is shining and we can see everything around us because of the sun. So it is with Jesus. Because I've given my life to him, I see the world around me because of him. And more importantly, through him. At Pathway, we would say it like this. We want to help you have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? Well, the Old Testament, there's a, there's a kind of in the middle of the Old Testament there's a collection of songs and poems that different people wrote to God about God and just different emotions that they were dealing with in their life and good, bad, and ugly, and they're great. Psalm 119, which is the longest of all of them, says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice the two words that he uses, a your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is John saying about Jesus? Jesus is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus, and he is the light of the world. In other words, that I, through Jesus, no longer have to stumble in the darkness. I no longer, because of Jesus, have to figure out, what am I going to do about this? and What decision am I going to make? And I'm nervous, and I'm worried, and I'm scared. Is this the right decision? No. When you have a relationship with Jesus, the guesswork goes out because the prayer work comes in. When you have a relationship with Jesus, it's no longer let me phone five of my friends and ask them what they think I should do. It's God. Your word is a lamp to my feet, guiding where I should go, guiding the decisions I should make, and a light to the darkness around me. So listen, following Jesus really guides our daily life. As C.S. Lewis said, that I see everything through it. And so I would say this, I see everything. If we want to have you a biblical worldview of the Bible, the Bible is Jesus. And so I want to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. So when I'm done and I go eat after church today, I see the waitress or waiter through the eyes of Jesus. Not someone that's just going to bring me the nectar of heaven, Dr. Pepper. I see them through the eyes of Jesus. I see my spouse. We fought on the way here. To, not we because I drove separately, but, but maybe you. We fought on the way here. I want to see her, see him through the eyes of Jesus. I want to see my kids through the eyes of Jesus. I want to see my political opinions through the eyes of Jesus. That's what it means to have your word as a lamp 
to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus must be the guiding light by which you see everything else in your life. It's through him. The question is, as we said earlier, would you prefer darkness or light? To add to that is, what's guiding your life right now? I didn't ask, like, are you coming to church? And that's what we want you to do. That's good. But what is the guiding light in your life right now? When you're up against it and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know what decision to make, where do you turn? First instinct. What is the guiding light in your life? Only Jesus leads you in the right direction. I think here's the big takeaway is reflect the light. Jesus is the light. His light brings life. That's who he is. That's what he came to do. That's why it matters. Now, what should we do about it? Well, I love what John continues on in, in verses 6 through 9. He talks about, there was a man named John the Baptist. That's not his middle and last name. It's not John, John middle name, the last name Baptist. That's not what that is. And, um, but that's, again, back in that day, if you were a blacksmith, it would have been John the blacksmith, right? And so um, he would baptize people just like what we do at Pathway. When you give your life to Jesus and, and you're, you want to tell the world, and it's, it's symbolic saying, I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. My old life is dead and gone. My sin is washed away, and now I'm new. That's what baptism is. And John did that. John and Jesus were cousins. They were about six months apart. They, they knew each other well. But John tells us that John the Baptist came ahead of Jesus a little bit and, and was in another area than Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus to the Jewish people in the first century in Israel. And, and I love that John... The, 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 uh, the gospel writer, the disciple, makes a point saying, hey, John came to prepare the way for the light. In other words, John is not the light. He tells us clearly. But he came to reflect the light, to tell, what does he say in verse 8? To tell everyone about the true light that brings life. John the Baptist was sent into the world for one specific purpose, to reflect the light of Jesus to the world around him. Can I encourage you and tell you that nothing has changed in the last 2,000 years, that if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus today, God is sending you right now to light your city, to light your family, to light your community with the life-giving light of Jesus. You're being sent. Well, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't know what to say. I don't know enough of the Bible. If they ask me a question, I don't know. You're to reflect the light. That's what you're here to do. Life isn't about us. It's reflecting the light of Jesus, pointing people to the light of Jesus. Why are we going to spend a lot of money, a lot of your giving, to help keep the lights on in Yukon? We want to point people to the light of Jesus, and that's just one way of many. Why are we all going to go to Parkland this, uh, this Friday at 930 and, and help them? Because we want to point people to the light of Jesus. Why do you need to tell your coworkers, your family, and friends tomorrow when you're around them about Jesus, the kids in the, 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 the pickup line at school, the, the kids that your, your kids play ball with, the other parents? Why is it important that you tell them? Because you're reflecting the light of Jesus. You're not reflecting the light of pathway. You're not pointing them to pathway. I mean, that's a conduit. You're pointing them to Jesus. 
you, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, are being sent. You are a missionary in a mission field that is your community. You don't have to move around the world right where you're at. God is saying it's a mission field, and I am sending you to reflect the light. You know how you can make a difference? Not just we as a church make a difference, although that's part of it. You individually, every one of us, how do we make a difference? This is it. By being the light, reflecting the light, lighting my city. That's what he wants. Be like John. Reflect the light. That's how we make a difference. You know, I have very few uh, pet peeves in life and um, very few pet peeves. People that, that know me well know I'm a very optimistic person, maybe too much so. Why? Because, again, I know how it's all going to end. Jesus is king, so I have no reason to be discouraged, right? So, um, but, but very optimistic. And I have very few pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is, is this. When I'm around other, quote, unquote, Christians, followers of Jesus, that would say, you know, you get in a conversation with them, and they would say things like, oh, man, what's the world coming to? You know, uh, things were great until we elected so-and-so to be president. Things were good until they did this law. Things were good until the Supreme Court did this. Things were good until this other nation did this thing. And I tell you, I don't know that I'd want to have kids anymore and this will bring them and raise them in this world. I worry, I worry about my grandkids. I mean, just what is the world coming to? It's not like when I was a kid. Boy, things are so bad. And I, and, and I say, Christian because I'm like, really? Because if you really love Jesus, that's not your attitude. Your attitude must never be, what is the world coming to? Your attitude must always be, look at what has come into the world, the light of the world, to light up the darkness, to expose the tidness of sin in our life, and that look at what has come into the world. It's a great day to be alive because we get to reflect the light of Jesus to an ever-darkening world. As I said before, I, 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 I don't know if this will be true. I don't know how it all works out theologically, and I'm not that concerned at this moment. But I think it'd just be cool, you know, when, when I die and go to heaven. And, you know, I see Jesus and all the dead relatives, and it's really cool, and all the stuff, and the gold streets. And I'd love to go to some people in the Bible, maybe John. And wouldn't it be cool to be like, John? You were there. He was the only disciple there when Jesus was executed on the cross. What was it like? Are you the only one that saw Jesus on the cross? You saw him be raised again. Wow, what was it like, Moses, when you part of the Red Sea? We sang about that. David, when you killed the giant Goliath, we sang about that. What was that like? Wouldn't it be cool if you're asking them those questions? Say, hey, we have all eternity to talk about that, Brian. I want to know, what was it like for you as the world began to grow darker, your light of Jesus began to show brighter and brighter, and you were living in the last days? What a great opportunity to spread the light and message of Jesus that gives life to the world. What was that like? That's my prayer. I don't think, oh, man, what's it coming to? No, what has come into the world? Maybe you've heard this. It's a, it's a saying. People use it for a lot, and it's very true. And I say this to people in my head a lot. I don't say it out loud because I'm really nice. But in my head, when people complain, I don't like people that complain at all. I think it's borderline a sin, to be totally honest with you. But people that complain about whatever, and, and I'm thinking like, well, 
you can curse the darkness or you can turn on the light. You ever heard that? Listen, you can go around to your workplace, to your family, to your friends and curse the dark. Oh, what's it coming to? Oh, things are bad. Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Or you can be the light that they need, the light that points them to the life-giving power and message of Jesus. Curse the darkness or be the light. God wants you to be the light. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for this really powerful foundational message that Jesus is the light. Why does that matter? What did he come to do? Why he's different from every other thing in the world and what we should do about it. We thank you. Help us to leave this place being the light, especially during this Christmas season. And not just when Christmas is over, but into January and February, the rest of 2023, to be the light. That that would be really our homework assignment, that I am the light. In fact, Jesus, you said that in one of your famous sermons. You said that we are the light of the world, and we shouldn't hide that light. We should let it shine. We don't shine for ourselves or for a church or a denomination. We shine for the life-giving message of Jesus. What a great time to be alive. We love you and thank you. And we're nothing without you.